best friends finance because when women talk about money, it's worth a million. Welcome to Best Friends Finance. I'm Laura Ford, and I'm here today with my co-host, Amanda Kessler. Just to remind everyone of who we are, we are two working moms and solopreneurs that learned when women started talking about money, it's worth a million. Best Friends Finance podcast is a podcast featuring stories, ideas that really help support other women to help empower them to take control of their financial future by talking about money with friends. Today on the podcast, I'm super excited about our guest, Chris Brown. Amanda, do you want to give us a quick intro? Absolutely. So Chris is an HR professional, a mother, a wife, and a blogger, a personal finance blogger whose blog, Mommy and Her Budget, is fabulous. If you're looking for some great tips on budgeting, on financial literacy for kids, on paying off debt, it is all there. So we've been following her and we're so excited to have her with us today. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, we always start with your money story. We'd love to know your background with money, what you learned growing up, and how that ultimately led you to be actually a personal finance blogger and influencer. All right. So my money story started pretty young. Um, I remember growing up, we didn't talk about money much, um, but I remember always seeing my mom budget especially around payday. She uh, did paper-based budgeting. I would see her write it down in a notebook or even just on the back of an envelope. Um, And so the importance of budgeting was kind of ingrained in my mind at a very young age. Um, And I remember just seeing her her progress in her professional career um, and just look to what's the next step um, and advance her career and always, you know, saving for retirement. So I had some, a decent foundation, um, definitely didn't learn anything in the public education system about finance. (laughs) So just budgeting and knowing that I needed to um, save for retirement as soon as I got my first job was kind of the background that I got growing up, but we didn't necessarily talk about money too much. So when I was able to um, move out on my own, I had a lot of trial and error. So a little bit of my background, I, I graduated high school at 17 and just knew that I was an adult and that I had to move out and go to college. I was raised in Long Beach, California, and I ended up going to USC, which is about 20 minutes down the freeway. And I was like, you know what? I'm an adult. I need to move out. I had a merit-based scholarship, but I took out student loans to just be able to live on my own. Um, So I did that for a few years, went to graduate school, didn't necessarily know, um, you know, the, the ramifications of taking out these large sums of money and why they let you do that. I, at that age, I don't know. So I graduated USC um, with some debt. And then I went to graduate school for a master's in education and took out the cost of attendance, which covered my, um, my tuition along with living expenses again. So all in all, I ended up having about $85,000 worth of debt after all of my, my schooling. Um, and during this time I was also, um, so I was basically told at a young age, you know, credit cards are bad. Don't get a credit card, but there was never a discussion about what is credit. How do you utilize it for your benefit and how to use it in a healthy way? So I got credit cards, you know, you do what you're told not to do. It's taboo. So I got credit cards and I was like, look at all this money that I can spend. Um, and so along with that student loan debt, I was racking up credit card debt and, um, at one point I was like, gosh, it paid off, got a consolidation loan, ran the credit cards back up again. So it was just this, this terrible cyclical thing of just running up debt. And I kind of looked at it the same way you might look at a report card. Um, I was like, if I, if I don't look at it, it's just, it's not there. I don't have to worry about it. Um, so I've, I've heard that your finances are like the adult version of a report card, which was true for me. I just kept ignoring it 
until I was pregnant with my daughter. Um, and I was recently, so I was an educator. I switched schools, um, just, you know, trying to excel in my career and found a school that was a good fit for me. But I was uh, a new employee there and I was pregnant when I was hired at that school. So I had to take an unpaid maternity leave and I just racked up all this debt and I was barely keeping up with the minimum payments. And then all of a sudden I was faced with an unpaid maternity leave. And I remember just crying for a moment, thinking, how am I going to do this? Um, and even though it was six weeks, which was just absolutely terrible, I cried going back to work. because I was like, I can't afford to stay home any longer. Um, and that was the first time I'd ever missed a payment. And I saw the ramification of like missing a minimum payment because I was leasing a car that I had no business leasing. So at that moment, I knew that I had to make a change, um, not only for myself, but for my daughter. I knew I wanted to give her um, a better financial future, um, a better life, a life where she knew she didn't have to uh, want or need for anything. Um, and I wanted to be able to pass on a financial education to her and what better way than to get my financial life together because you lead by example. Um, so at that time, my daughter is now three. I started my personal finance journey. Um, I was over six figures in debt, obviously with $85,000 in school loans <laughs> and then credit cards and a lease vehicle. And just, it was, it was so much. I remember sitting down and writing down everything. And it was just a very, um, almost a sad moment. I was like, how did, how did it come to this? And um, I, I, a lot of people don't know my mom actually at 20, I had my daughter at 25. She helped me write my first budget. Um, and I kind of just took off from there. I, I dived deep into the world of personal finance, researching um, and just finding best practices. And over the course of the last three years, I've been able to um, do a lot. <laughs> I've reached positive net worth um, for the first time in my adult life the beginning of this year. And it's just kind of escalated from there. Um, and I've doubled my income and I've been investing in multiple retirement accounts for myself, a brokerage account, um, investing for my daughter through a 529 account and purchased two investment properties. So I, I really feel like I've been able to turn my life around for, and it's, it's a good feeling to be here and to know that I'm able to um, one day pass this down to my daughter, not only the assets, but the knowledge as well. That is so good. So here's here's my first question. Are you still paying off that debt? I am now paying off. So I'm more focused on investing because I I do a little bit of a different strategy than the Dave Ramsey strategy. I, I That's what I wanted to ask about because I, I know you're investing while paying off debt and I yes. love this. So tell us more about that. So what I, so I'm by no means a a certified professional, a finance professional, even though I am pursuing certification. Um, but what I, what has worked for me and that I've seen work for a lot of other individuals to kind of scale quickly, get out of debt quickly and um, build wealth at the same time, because I don't think that's mutually ex exclusive. You can pay off debt and build wealth. Um, so get on a budget first and just get a financial snapshot of where you are First, save that emergency fund, not in a thousand dollar emergency fund, because we're in the middle of a pandemic. And if we've seen anything like you can't really rely on anyone but yourself. So make sure you're able to take care of yourself and for your, and your family. So for me, that's a, a pretty significant emergency fund with multiple mortgages and a child. So first, get on a budget, save an emergency fund that is unique to you and your situation, then pay off high interest debt, which would be your credit cards, your personal loans, your car. Um, and then. For the rest of your debts, look at the return on investment. If it's a low APR, like 
zero to 6%, you might be better off um, investing for retirement or saving for purchasing an investment property because the return on that money is going to be greater um, than, you know, the, the interest on that payment. So I am doing the slow and steady wins the race for the remainder of my student loans. Um, but using the bulk of my, um, my income to save for retirement and to invest and to um, hopefully purchase property number three uh, in the next few months. Okay. So you also share on Instagram how to build um, generational wealth. And that is something that my husband and I talk about quite a bit here in our own household. And he always says that we have to sacrifice for our kids' generation. And like when I read, but when I read other people's stuff and then I read your post, I'm like, we don't actually have to skip a generation in order to make that happen. How, what do you, what are your tips on how to create generational wealth? Um, for me, it's always laying your financial foundation first um, and then being able to pass down first a knowledge to your children, the financial literacy, because you can pass down all the assets in the world. You can pass down hundreds of thousands of dollars and multiple properties. But if they don't know how to manage their money and they don't have a good financial foundation, it's going to just be out the window. They're going to spend that money or, you know, use it in some, some way that it's not going to last through several generations. Um, and as far as sacrificing, I don't feel like I necessarily sacrifice a ton. I'm one, I'm enjoying this journey. Um, I still travel while I'm on this journey. I still do the things that I love and do the things that I feel are, you know, good for my family. Um, so I think it's just a balance. I write, uh, using sinking funds, I write travel into my budget. I write things that I enjoy and things that my family enjoys into my budget, but also keeping my eye on those long-term goals, like building up a big enough 529 account so that I can break the student loan cycle for my daughter um, or saving enough so that I can retire early and, you know, be financially independent in retirement so that, you know, I'm not a burden to my daughter or any other children that, you know, may come in the future. You know, it's so interesting. The The theme I'm hearing is kind of pay yourself first. So going back to the debt, I love what you said about um, really uh, examining your debt and the interest rate and looking if it's under 6%, what are you going to make if you actually invest that money? I also took out lots of loans to go to law school in my case, and I paid them off over the course of 15 years. I just was very consistent, but I wasn't in a race to pay them off because my interest rate was 3%, which I remember my parents saying, that's free money. Okay, there's no such thing as free money, really. But, um, but you know, consistently investing in, in retirement where you're going to grow your future money while paying that off over time, I think is totally acceptable. And I do think sometimes with this debt-free community that, that we now are such a big followers of and believers in, there's a stigma about mm -hmm. taking time to pay that kind of debt. So I really like the way you said that. Yeah. I also see online a lot because I'm very active on Instagram. If you don't like crush your debt in 24 months or three years, then you're not doing it right. But there's multiple ways to financial independence and there's multiple ways to build wealth and getting rid of all of your debt, um, especially if it's low interest debt, just within 12 or 24 months might not necessarily be the right thing for some people. For some people, it might. Maybe if they want to have one goal at a time, that's totally acceptable. It's not a terrible way to do things, but it's not everybody's journey. Having just dug our family out of debt, you nailed it because you do have to make sacrifices, right? Like you do in order to really get out of debt that quickly, you have to not buy, not spend. You have, and so you completely 
completely turn your family and your lifestyle upside down. But it is nice to be able to get to a point where you're like, okay, this feels comfortable and I can manage this much that's left. It's not, you know, the credit score has gone up and then it gives you the ability to continue to kind of live a little and feel Mm -hmm. like you're not making all these hard changes all at once, because I think that's what derails people, right? They have to have some fun in their life. They have to have some outing, something that gives them joy. And and sometimes let's face it, it's spending money or doing an, you know, spending money on an experience or travel or anything like that. So anyways, I also really appreciate your approach to, to, uh, to this. Oh, and don't get me wrong. When I was in high interest debt, like 24% on credit cards, I made all the sacrifices in the world. I said, this Mm -hmm. has got to go. It has to go like yesterday. But um, once I got out of that and I was in a more comfortable place, I'm like, okay, what's important to me? Because another thing for me, I don't, I don't know if tomorrow will be my last day. I don't want to have sacrificed all this time with my daughter where I could have been building these important memories that will last with her a lifetime because I could pay off my debt in 36 months and then, you know, month 37, I'm gone, you know? So right. then, and I have, she'll have no memories of having these wonderful times with me. So that's, that's something else that I keep in the back of my mind when I'm on this journey. It's balance. Yeah, Absolutely. And that credit card debt, I mean, on Instagram recently, we shared a post about compound interest and the the magic of compound interest. It is truly the eighth wonder of the world, but it goes both ways. And, you know, when you find yourself not even making a minimum payment and the interest compounding on what you owe on a credit card, that's exactly what you said. That's where you go nuts to attack that as fast as possible, but not all debt is like that. Absolutely. Okay, so back to the generational wealth thing. What I love about what you shared in your blog and online is that a big piece of it is passing on financial education to your children. It's not just building them a big fat trust fund. It's teaching Mm -hmm. them how to, to manage their own money. And I know your daughter is three. So this is, you are early in this process, but we'd love to hear your tips on really helping establish that financial education with your children. Absolutely. So um, as I had shared previously, I have a background in education. So I've worked with kids a long time um, before I transitioned into human resources. Um, And I understand like scaffolding. So you can start a financial education for your kids from a young age. For example, my daughter just turned three um, and she goes to an incredible daycare and they do a lot of the heavy lifting for me. um, But you can start with simple things like math skills, using coins to count or involving them when you're grocery shopping. Um, And there's some apps that will even give you ideas of what to do and to what to talk about when you're grocery shopping. She understands that money is exchanged for goods and that mommy has to go to work to get money. Um, So there's time associated with money. And um, of course, I will be teaching her that there's more than, you know, exchanging time for money at some point, but that is an appropriate lesson for her at this age. Um, So when we go to the store, she's able to put stuff in the shopping cart and I'll let her um, help me pay the cashier. Um, And we count with coins, um, not real coins, but plastic coins. (laughs) So these are these are simple things that you can do and then continue to scaffold as they get older and add layers to those to those lessons. So there's age appropriate lessons for, you know, three to five and then five to seven and then your older children. So as they get older, giving them a chance to handle money. Um, And I'm actually working with this awesome app that allows you to pay your children um, and you can teach them to budget within the app. So you're teaching them, you know, there's a bucket of 
there's different buckets that you use for, you know, when you get paid, do you want to save? How much do you want to save? Um, invest and how much you're going to spend. So giving them that chance, we're past the times where you give your kids, you know, here's $20 for your allowance and go, I don't know what kids would do, go spend it on fast food or candy or whatever. Um, but starting from a young age, when you get in any time of type of earned income, you have to do certain things with it. So um, the app will allow you to set, you know, I want you to save 50% and spend, you know, 30% and whatever. But as they get older, this will become more of a, um, just a habit. So when they get their first job and when they get access to adult money, they'll automatically know, okay, I'm going to sit down and make a budget for this money. I'm going to save this much. I'm going to spend this much, invest this much, and then I'll give back this much. So um, starting from a young age, building on those skills and then giving them hands-on opportunities to learn is really key. Well, I love that you said that you're teaching your daughter that time is an exchange for money. And then on one of your recent um, Instagram posts, you say that being rich is being rich is having money, but being wealthy is having time. And I love that. Mm -hmm. I think what resonated with me with what you just said is, is the idea of just having these continuing conversations with our kids and money being not a taboo subject because (laughs) I swear almost every money story we have on this podcast starts with we did not talk about money growing up. Um, And that was the same for Laura and myself. And it's like bringing this conversation to the dinner table, I think is a new concept and it's really life-changing for these kids. My, like I said, my daughters are 11 and 13. And, you know, as, as Steve and I plan for a vacation or he finally has to get a new car. Oh my gosh, you guys, the 13 year old Honda is Woo, it's in bad shape. The repairs are going to cost more than it's worth. So we're like looking at cars and how we're going to do that and talking, you know, at the dinner table about why we buy a used car versus a new car and depreciation and things like that. And those are conversations I never had. And you wonder if your kids are listening until you hear them say something like, I can't believe how much money my friends spend on Starbucks. It's a drink, you know, (laughs) (laughs) they are listening. There's a lot for just having the conversations in their presence. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's definitely key um, because even as I became an adult and I started this journey, when I first started my Instagram page, it probably wasn't called Mommy Near Budget when I first started. I was like, my family can never see this. Like, I don't want them to know how much I make. I don't want them to know what I'm doing with my money. Like, it still felt like such a taboo subject as an adult. Um, And that definitely has negative consequences because then you're less likely to say negotiate your salary if you're not used to talking about money openly. So I think it's important to have these conversations from young and continue to have them as your children get older because it's going to benefit them so much in life. You know, one of the ways that you talk about building generational wealth is to um, create a business that you can pass down. And then but I added, I mean, I just in my notes took, you know, or maybe even to sell. Yeah, absolutely. Is that something that you're working towards now? I I know that you're also invested in um, real estate. Mm -hmm. So real estate is one of the the big ways that I'm planning to pass down wealth um, to my daughter um, because so right now we have two properties, both located in Los Angeles and my husband. And I had this conversation that, oh my goodness, if we don't do anything else, but have our tenants pay the mortgage on these properties, by the time we're in our sixties, they'll be paid off and worth well over 
a million plus dollars. And these are cash flowing assets that will be able to pass down to summer. My daughter's name is summer. Um, and she can either sell them and just have access to that money, or she can keep them as cash flowing assets and then continue to bring in money month, month by month. Obviously we want more than these two duplexes and we're working on that now as part of our strategy, but real estate um, is really one of the huge ways that I plan on passing down wealth to my daughter and hopefully, you know, create the cyclical thing where we're passing it down from generation to generation. So acquiring assets as you're continuing to pay down your debt too. Absolutely. Yes. That makes so much sense. Yeah. And that reminds me of a recent conversation that we've had on social media about um, gifting your children Roth IRAs when they're old enough that you can find enough income to, you know, establish that they made $6,000 and mm-hmm. and funding a Roth IRA. And I mean, the, the numbers you look at, it, even if you you fund it once and never touch it again when they're 16. By the time they're 60, the growth is unbelievably exponential. And if you teach them to continue to fund it as they do start earning their own income, um, there's just so many ways to help them build their own legacy. So I love what you're what you're thinking of here. Thank you. Okay. So before we go, there's one more thing that I just loved, which were your tips that you wish you knew in your 20s. It's one of your YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about some of this stuff, but I mean, Laura and I are in our 40s and we did not start our financial independence journey until we were in our 40s. We were full on in spending mode until then. So I love that you figured it out earlier. And I'd love to know what you would tell now your 20 something year old self. One of the biggest things that I would tell myself is do what you have to do to get a debt-free degree. If getting a degree is in your future and something that you want to do, you do not have to take out loans to do it. And that was um, just a mistake on my part that I felt like set me back so many years. So I have a younger brother who is in his first year in college. And I'm like, Nathan, whatever you do, don't take out loans. We can work through it. We can figure it out, You know, get a part-time job, do what you have to do. Um, For me, I would have chosen a less expensive school and went to a Cal State and went for free and then stayed at home. But, you know, I just wanted to live this adult life and move out. Um, Also, start investing from young. Um, The power of compound interest, again, uh, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. So invest um, early and invest often. Also, get a financial education, especially um, if you didn't necessarily get one at home. And I know that a lot of kids are not getting it in the school system. So before you get that first job, get a financial education so that when you get your paycheck, you know what are your goals and what are you going to do um, with your money. So those are three huge things. Also, the last thing is if you have to finance it, you probably can't afford it. (laughs) I was just so excited to get these offers in the mail and to walk into a car dealership and have them, you know, let me sign on a car. And I was like, oh, look at me. I'm living this amazing adult life. But if you have to finance it, I mean, outside of like larger purchases, like a mortgage, which I understand, um, but even cars or especially clothes and food and just, you know, these, these items that we want immediately to create a sinking fund for whatever you want. And you can, you can get there, have some delayed gratification. You'll save money in the long run, but if you have to finance it now, you can't afford it. Just wait, wait to save the money to get it. Um, and that will save you so much money and so many headaches in the long run. It's so true. And I love that you call yourself a financial nerd, by the way, I think that is, <laughs> and you're not a nerd at all. I just, it's so admirable what you've created and how you've really turned your situation completely upside down. Thank you so much for being Thank here. Today. You. Thank you so much.
I loved her. And she knows where her value system is and yeah. exactly what the path is that she's laying out for her, not only herself, but also for her daughter. How wonderful. And that's where you nailed it, the value system. And I loved her part about college, like figuring out a way to finance without loans. I'm like, man, I never, I never thought that then. And I haven't really thought about that for my girls. Of course, we've, we've been, you know, padding 529 since they were born, but there's more than one way to, to pay for college. It's, it's so true. You know, we had the opportunity and talked about it when our girls were little and we just kind of thought, oh, we'll be able to afford it when they get there. And that was not the case. You know, it was for a short period of time and then, you know, things change and our world got turned upside down and, and we couldn't and beca- and be- we hadn't saved it. And so that is probably one of the biggest regrets I have. But you know what? I mean... Mm-hmm. It's all about the comeback, (laughs) but I love that she's figured it out now and she's passing that on to her daughter. I mean, I just, I cannot, we cannot have enough of those those conversations at, like you said, our dinner table and with friends and And she's doing it for her brother. Like how amazing that she's teaching her brother that. Right. And building the scaffolding. Yes. I love that scaffolding example. Like it can start really young and you're just building pieces of the scaffolding. So her daughter is going to be in such a better position when she reaches adulthood. It's so true. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to get more of the best friends, find us on social media on Instagram and Facebook and always our website at bestfriendsfinance.com. And if you also, if you're enjoying this episode, we really appreciate a review. Reviews are the lifeblood of podcasting because they help other people find us and join the conversation. And clearly, as we heard today, actually talking about money, be it with your family, with your friends, is wildly important to your ultimate financial success and setting your kids up for success. So let's spread the word through a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time. 